Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Best friends forever. Fantasy, best friends forever. Our number two fantasy best friends forever, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Alongside Frank Stample, two more guests in the studio. Hi, Frank. What's going on, Greggy? How's it going? A little close to you right now. Interesting. A lot closer than we're used to. Weird. That's okay. We have two guests in the studio, which makes it's it... easier for us to pound now. Hey, man. It makes it all the more, it makes it all the more easy. You, you can pound. They're not going to see you pound because <laughs> the camera's on us, but that's cool. Uh, Matt Stryker and Mike the Rotocop are here to talk about what's going on in their fantasy baseball world and break down all the latest news with us. So, gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having us. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. But first and foremost, where can people listen to your podcast? Mike, let them know. Strike Zone Pod on Twitter. You could follow me at Mike the Rotocop. Follow Matt at Matt underscore. Striker underscore? And Matt underscore striker underscore as well as on rasball.com. There you go. And they could also follow you from sure a bunch of wrestling stuff as well if they yeah, wanted to. Yeah, yeah, but uh, we're here to talk about fantasy baseball. Fair enough. Fantasy baseball is real. Fantasy. Oh, look at that. Look at that. <laughs> Not implying anything, but there you go. Absolutely. So the biggest news in fantasy baseball came, there's a lot of news yesterday, right? With the biggest stuff being that Jose Ramirez in the first inning, leaves the game after taking a ball off the knee, and you're just like, oh, crap. <laughs> and we do the same thing, Frank. We drafted him fourth overall. Uh, I'm sure you guys have him somewhere. And it wasn't like he just limped off. It wasn't like he crawled off. It was He was taken on a golf cart and immediately taken him to the x-ray machine. And Thankfully, everything comes back negative. But, Matt, you're, you're an athlete. Is that, is that enough to kind of qualm the worries for you? Yeah, absolutely. When you, you find out what the results were and you realize that it's just going to be a bruise or things like that, you do hold your breath for a second. But then after a while, you realize he's a quality athlete. He's going to be just fine. But as from a fantasy perspective, you go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, and I know in, in our draft that we had last night, Frank, he didn't really drop. Right, he still went in the middle of that first round where he's been going, and I was looking on Twitter right after the injury, and people were talking about taking him in the middle rounds. I'm like, this is like overreaction, yeah, way overreaction. <laughs> like, what is happening? I saw those same tweets. Like, uh... fantasy Twitter is a is a thing. Oh well, you know what? I think it's it's a reaction to Matt Olson because we didn't know what was happening with Matt Olson, and there were a lot of drafts going on. You know, Thursday. Even Friday before we had information, I think you know people who might have drafted Matt Olson, they might have got burned, you know, by having like injury optimism there. So sure. they see this happen to Jose Ramirez yesterday, and the fact that he was carted off and he was writhing, rolling around in pain, I, you know, I, th- I think it worried a lot of people because you know people were talking about potential shin breaks, something wrong with his knee there. So especially for a guy we expect to steal bases, I mean that, that's what worries me the most is this going to affect his ability to run? You know, his lower legs. Uh, you know, that's kind of why I've uh, pivoted off of uh, Francisco Lindor, which kind of scared me because, you know, you want Lindor to steal 20 to 25 bases. Now he's dealing with a calf strain. So I understand people might worry about Jose Ramirez, but, I mean, <laughs> for the initial reaction to be let's drop him down into the middle rounds, I thought that was a little bit too much. 
Yeah, that, like you said, fantasy Twitter is just what I said. Fantasy <laughs> Twitter is, is something, is completely something else. Now, speaking of Cleveland, Mike, we've been, I was looking at their infield with Jose Ramirez Hurt and Lindor Hurt, and it's like, this team's terrible. Like, <laughs> you don't realize that the Cleveland team that has been so good for the last few years isn't, it's not the same team anymore. The pitching is outstanding, but Lindor, Jose Ramirez, Carlos Santana is back, but the rest of it's not good. And yeah, you have Jake Bowers in the outfield, but. The infielders filling in, you got Brad Miller there and some other guys you haven't heard of. So Frank kind of led us to Hanley Ramirez and Hanley Ramirez being a part of this Indians team. Uh, he was somebody that Frank was interested in picking up in leagues, picked up in a league. What do you think, Mike, about Hanley Ramirez? This is a uh, best case scenario for Hanley. And all the options coming into the season where he could land, he actually found himself in the fifth spot on roster resource. They have him at the fifth spot in an Indians lineup. What do you think of roster resource, by the way? Why do we have you here? Why is there like an inside roster resource? There's a bit of an inside. I think <laughs> that's a setup, buddy. It You're is. on your own that's here. That's exactly yeah. what that is. Greg is not a fan. Not a fan of roster resource. Honestly, I don't know the people from roster resource, so I hate to just like destroy them. Yeah. Yeah, but it's terrible. It. It's terrible. People use it's not accurate. It's people not accurate. Yeah, it's I, educated I, guesses, Greg. I mean, it's kind of similar to what we do. Okay, all right. So what do I need them for? Well, where do you think Hanley Ramirez is going to bat in the lineup, Craig? I don't know that he's going to play every day. Right. You're the one that was convinced he's going to play every well, day. Who's going to take his spot? That's, that's what I'm... Uh, is it going to be Jordan Luplo? I don't think so. I don't oh, know. You got, a, you got him at DH here on Ruster right. Resource, but one guy, they also have Eric Stamets is playing shortstop, which I don't think is going to be the case. Right. So there you go. It's like an extreme on each side. Correct. Don't sleep on Yu Chang. There you go. Yu Chang, who I... Uh, Yu Chang's your guys. That's Mike's guy all day, uh, He's not really day. my guy. I don't want to go on air. On I saw some tweets about Yu Chang. He's my uh, guy. On, on your don't feet sleep last on Yu Chang. So. If he gets at-bats, if Ramirez does hit the IL, Yu Chang might find his way into some at-bats. All right. Playing in the infield, he had uh, 24 homers in the minors two seasons ago. His pop kind of slowed down a little bit, but he could provide extreme, extreme cheap pop. Someone's middle infield position. I got him for $2 yesterday's fab. In uh, TGFBI. I probably could have gotten him for $1. I didn't check to see if anyone else bid on him. I highly doubt it. Don't sleep on Yu Chang. That's another option for uh, for the and, Indians. And he's got a great name to say. Yes, he don't does. You think? Oh, so this is actually a perfect time to bring great, up. Great name theory. This is a yeah. segue. That's what I do. So I am very into the um, cool name theory. And I think prospects are hyped up when they have cooler names. And it goes back to like Xander Bogarts, Trevor Bauer when the like, was, was popular. Yeah. Corbin Burns, right? Like Tyler Skaggs. You're like these guys have to be good. Fun to say. Right. So Yu Chang, right in there. Right in. It, there it fits go. the cool name theory. And, but I, I will say this as far as Lindor and Ramirez. I've been off of them for a while now. Ramirez won me I'm in 10 leagues last year. He won me seven out of my 10 leagues. So this year I was saying to myself, I, I want to deviate and I want to go somewhere else. So I've been off of those guys, which has allowed me to look at guys that could replace them. Maybe sometimes I can build Ramirez or Lindor out of two different guys. So when I see these things happen, I kind of say, not cool, but cool. Like right. I don't have to worry. I agree. These guys were kind of, they're not on an avoid list by any means. I would never put either of these guys on an avoid list. The fact that they lost so much protection offseason between Edwin, Brantley, Donaldson, uh, Kipnis yep. injury, Lindor injury. So Jose Ramirez, where's his protection in the lineup going? That's just something you think about drafting. So it's kind of uh, not an avoid, but just something to think about. It was a bad day for second baseman all around over the weekend with Jose Ramirez going down after Scooter Jeanette goes down. And Scooter Jeanette was a guy that I... I've been part of, like, there's two sides of fantasy Twitter when it comes to Scooter Jeanette, and that was the fact that those that don't understand it and those that just don't care that they don't understand it, but they buy into it because he's really good. Mm. He gets hurt. Strange is growing very significantly out 8 to 12 weeks. Yeah. And the obvious idea would be that, hey, 
bring up Nick Senzel. He's played second. He's played up, played second base throughout his minor career, and they're like, no, he's a center fielder now. <laughs> okay, maybe that's all BS to, to hold him down until April fifteenth, which is the date that he can come up, and it probably is. But nevertheless, for our purposes. He's not coming up, which means Jose Iglesias is going to be the starting shortstop for this team, and Jose Peraza slides over to second base, which could, Frank, open up more of an opportunity or more position eligibility for Jose Peraza, giving him second base and shortstop eligibility, depending on how many games he plays there. Yeah, I think he'll gain the second base eligibility, and it's a position he's played in the past. Uh, you know, Jose Peraza is actually someone that's been pretty hyped up here during, uh, during the, uh, the draft season because of stolen bases, right? Everyone's trying to find stolen bases. And, I did it last night. I think they look, you know, they look back at what he did in the minors. I don't know that he has like, this crazy stolen base upside like we're expecting. You know, maybe he steals 20 to 30. I think he's in that, you know, that range, 10 to 15 home runs, something like that. But my biggest worry with Jose Peraza at this point was where is he going to bat in the lineup? So this might actually help him now if he's able to move up in the lineup a little bit. Obviously, helps him score more runs. So we'll see what happens with there. As of now, they say Jose Iglesias is going to fill in at shortstop. He's a fine defensive player, but I'm not really expecting much from him uh, offensively or for for fantasy purposes. I'll tell you, I don't really love the fact that the Reds sent down Scooter Jeanette because uh, uh, sent down Nick Senzel because they've been talking about fielding their best team. Sure, clearly they're not you know abiding by that or listening to their you know what they're telling people. But if they really do want to just play him at center and have him focus on center field. I don't have a problem with that because they've been trying to transition him into that. It's like you don't want him to go back and forth between outfield and se- second base. You right. Kind of mess with a young prospect. So at least like if you're going to make him a center fielder or an outfielder, just stick to that. All right. Let him get his reps in, in the minors. Hopefully he's up by mid-April. Uh, you know, a lot of people are excited about him and rightfully so. I don't have a problem with them keeping him in the outfield. Yeah, and Mike and I talk about this on our show, on the Strike Zone pod. I own shares of Senzel, and now he has right. the N.A. next to him, sure. so I have to. But on the flip, I think the Reds are going to be good, and I like the options that it gives for that outfield. I'm a, I'm a big Yazzie Puig guy. He uses a Birdman bat, and I'm friends with a lot of guys over at Birdman bats. But I think guys like Jesse Winker and Scott Chubb now become even more interesting if you are looking for some kind of something. In the middle or late rounds, a guy like Shebler, even a guy like Winker, there you you go right there. So if Senzel stays down, I don't like it because I own shares of him. But sure. at the same time, it may give people out there an option in late rounds. For me, the reason I jumped like on Jose Peraza was because not only is not that his playing time wasn't secure, it was he's going to move up in the order a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I know they're planning on leading off Jesse Winker and having Joey Votto bat second. But if Jose Peraza can run a little bit more and somehow get towards the top of that lineup, the opportunity for him to score more runs are going to be there. Uh, they're certainly with Puig and Eugenio Suarez and Kemp behind him. I-, I think the possibilities are endless. So that's why I was really excited last night to jump in on Jose Peraza. And, and that's what I did. Like we- I need a little bit of speed. And knowing that this lineup, and they- they're a team that's trying to win, I was in on Peraza. Who else in the Reds lineup are you in on, Mike? I'm pretty much in on everybody, honestly. Jesse Winker, if he gets the at-bats that they're promising, he's going to be a, a real good value in fantasy. Joey Votto, everybody's on always. Suarez is going to, coming off the great year. Puig, I guess, is the, is the names to talk about here because, like everyone else, I think Puig's going to pretty much explode this season as long as he stays in the field. There's a, I'm a little worried about his uh, injury history, but as long as he stays in the field, I think Puig, I think Puig will, uh, will be the guy to own in Cincinnati. Fair enough. Puig's your, your guy, too, Frank. We've had a discussion a lot of Yasiel Puig versus David Dahl versus George Springer versus Tommy Pham. Ooh. Is there anybody Ooh. else that was missing? Yeah, and I have Puig ranked higher than all those guys, so, so really aggressive here. But if there's anyone who's going to show up, and I've continuously said this about Puig, if there's anyone that's going to show up in a contract year, 
Like, who wants to get paid yeah. more than Yasiel Puig? I mean, we all want to get paid, but nobody wants to get paid more than Yasiel Puig. I don't know. He's got a lot of money. He's in a, <laughs> look, he's in a great ballpark from the beginning of, to the end of the season. It's the best ballpark that he's played in. He's going to be right in the middle of everything. I mean, there's seriously 30 home run, you know, 15 to 20 stolen base upside here for Yasiel Puig. Uh, he's just got to keep his head on straight. And I like the point that you made about Scott Shebler, too. Uh, while we lost Nick Senzel for the early portion of the season, you know, for the first month, Scott Shebler might see every day at bats, and if that happens, it's likely going to be in the middle of this lineup. So, so there's cheap production to be had there too. Your fifth outfielder in a 15-team league or NL only, for sure. Yeah, the only problem, the concern for me is going to be the pitching, and I, I, I'm I'm not on Sonny Gray Alex at Wood. all. Alex Wood will be hurt maybe by the time we go off the air. So really, he's not even in the rotation as of now. So I'm really glad you said that because <laughs> last night we we're going. To, I'm, I'm in a league with Frank and our old co-host Mike. Now I don't want to call my BFF anymore after oh. last time. I'm just kidding. Anyway, so Florio, so we own Alex Wood, and he was one of our last picks in the league. And I'm just like we were going over waivers for last night, and I go, well, we could probably drop Alex Wood. And Frank's like, honestly, sure. Yeah. But that's Mike's guy. You got to talk to Mike. And Mike just sends me back some snarky quality greater sign quantity. And I'm like, well, I got to be a dick about this. Like, just tell, just tell <laughs> How do you me. you really feel? Well, I mean, just tell me, like, yeah. You don't give me some cliche line. If you like him, that's fine. But quality over quantity, that's how I won all my leagues last year. I'm like, come on, dude. Like, we're friends. Like, don't treat me like I'm, I'm, I'm your Patreon subscriber. Well, you can subscribe to Frank's Patreon right now. <laughs> but, like, tell me like, why. And his theory is just that. Especially in roto leagues, it doesn't matter how many innings you get out of these guys, as long as the innings that you do are quality. <sighs> Matt, you're kind of like, eh. yeah, because I mean, first of all, I, mean, I grew up in Queens. I think I know 15 Mike Florios, and I played hockey with eight of them. So if this he's, is he's one also of them, from Queens, so, uh, it's probably, uh, hey, so probably the same guy. Probably the same guy. Yeah, uh, but I, I get that. But if you're in these roto leagues, and I understand what he's saying, but so I love the waiver wire. Yep. I work the waiver wire like it's my job, sure. and I love pitching. So I would much rather go out and and find this type of guy every other third or fourth day they right. have to sit and worry about about Alex Wood or I mean I mean there's there's other options there. Tanner Roark, I think even Molly's gonna make the, the rotation. There's just other options there. Well Wood's also dealing with the lower back tightness. So, so he's already hurt. Yeah, already that's what I say. I we're not even off the air yet. Correct. That's the thing. Off the yeah. start with him. So like like Matt said, I think there's other options to be had every third or fourth day Thank over you. a guy like Alex Wood who who knows how many? Can we just send Florio this? This this, this little segment just right cut, here. Just right here. This. I don't have a problem with it. I, I will say this: at least he's staying on brand because he loves Rich Hill too. So, oh, no. like, if you're gonna love Alex Wood, you might as well love Rich Hill. And Jeez, does you know, he love Clayton Kershaw as well? Like how many he's other guys? He, he said that he could get back in on Clayton Kershaw. Yeah, he wanted us to draft Kershaw. He did. I mean, at that point, it was like the eighth round. So if we would have okay. got him, I would have sure. been a right with yeah. him. But, you know, I, I will mention. Sonny Gray does have my attention. I know he was really bad with the Yankees, but the home road splits were drastic. He was much better on the road. And I think it was an organizational thing. I, I do kind of buy into what Sonny Gray said about, you know, the Yankees wanting him to use his slider and throw okay. it for strikes, and it's just something he wasn't able to do. So if he goes over to Cincinnati where they actually have the pitching coach uh, that came over from Milwaukee, uh, and, you know, he did great work with, with the Brewers' rotation and obviously what he did with Josh Hader – Sonny Gray has my attention, so hmm. I, you know, I want to see what he can do here early on in the season. You know, maybe in, in some shallower leagues, I put him like on my scout team. I'll just see what okay. he does early on in the year. I don't know if he's worth rostering in like twelve team leagues, Greg. But anything deeper than that, I, w I would say, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm intrigued here by Sonny Gray. I want to see what he can do. I just think you know, the high fly ball tendency, especially That's in that a, park. Yeah. And I think Mike, you agree with that? And uh, he's never really been a strikeout guy, and I like to see my guys create the whiffs that or generate the whiffs, and he's never really done that. So. Maybe Cincinnati's a turning point for him and he gets to pitch the way he wants to pitch because it seems like in New York he wasn't pitching the way he wanted to pitch. 
before we hit the break, it was a weekend full of closers, right? Hunter Strickland, we know, we saw what he did in Japan last week. He's the Botafide closer. We talked about that last hour. We talked a lot about Greg Holland and how he's now very much on the fantasy radar because he was named the closer, and that was a big talk last hour. I want to get into Jordan Hicks as well because on Friday, Brian Schilt was like, you know what? We don't have a closer, but it's going to be Jordan Hicks that gets the majority of the saves, and that's all us fantasy owners want to hear. If that's the case, Mike, I want to go with you here. If that's the case, Mike, how high on this list of relievers would you put Jordan Hicks? He's, he's soaring on his way to the top. This is, uh, this is great for my Hicks share. I have a share of Jordan Hicks, and yep. I'm, I'm very happy to hear this news. This is a guy who developed a slider last year, so his sinker had a pitch value of 10, his slider had a pitch value of 5, and now he redeveloped his changeup which I don't know if you've seen the gifts from uh, either Pitcher List or Rob Friedman. Changeup looks filthy, too. So if he could add the changeup to his repertoire, he's going to be right up there with the, I don't want to go as far to say the Jose Leclerc's of the world. That's, re- him that's reasonable, though, I think. But I think right under, right under him, if he could get those strikeouts, his K per nine to go up to either probably around a 10, he's going to be an elite closer going into 2020 and for the rest of the season, obviously. And I think that makes a lot of sense given, given how good he is in those pitch and those numbers that you said. The one concern I had was there's other guys there, right? Andrew Miller is there. Alex Reyes is now in the bullpen. That's scary. Yeah, but on top of all of this, I'm a Cardinal fan. Hicks sure. throws 105, right. so let me leave it at that. Yeah, I, that, I think that'll work. <laughs> We're going to take a break here. Uh, when we come back, I want to get into your guys' teams. Who do you have the most shares of? Why? Who have you avoided? Why? We'll break that down to compare it to what we've done when we come back. Fantasy Best Friends Forever, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. What's your IRS problem? Do you owe back taxes? Is there a lien placed on your property? Have your bank accounts been frozen or seized? Have your wages been garnished? Are you being audited by the IRS? Are they sending you letters that demand actions and have urgent due dates? Well, solving your tax problems is as easy as calling Taxes 321. The IRS is the largest collection agency in the world. You need the best representation to give you peace of mind. You need experienced professionals that can cut through the red tape and stop the collection process. If you have a serious problem with the IRS, call the Taxes 321 Network today. We'll get them off your back. 800 961 361 961 Generally, I don't think it'll be the case this season, but generally they end it on the opening weekend of baseball. Once again, I think that's bad timing. As you just said, end it in, uh, you know, starting two weeks earlier and end it before baseball starts. You would think you'd get more eyeballs on it. Saturday and Sunday, 11 a.m. Eastern, on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. 
Join the experts live on the air every day by calling in at 844-843-6879 to join the Fantasy Sports Network. Back with you on the Fantasy Best Friends Forever. We're here with Mike the Rotocop, Matt Stryker as well. Where can everyone listen to your podcast, Matt? You can check us out. We're on Spotify. We're on iTunes. We're on the Long Island Podcast Network. Also on Twitter, at StrikeZonePod. You can also find me on Twitter, at Matt underscore Stryker underscore, as well as on Razzball.com. Mikey! Mike the Rotocop on Twitter. You can find me at PitcherList.com, FriendsWithFantasyBenefits.com, and MetsmerizedOnline.com. So it's interesting. So Stryker closes his eyes when he can read and just run like this, and you're like reading your computer, like, I just got to make sure you get the Twitter handle. He has so much going on. (laughs) I got to say, this is, as far as if we're a tag team, I'm the Marty Jannetty, and he's the Shawn Michaels. Absolutely, man. Mike Mike is the man. That That is a huge compliment. There you go. I'm just going to. At this point, you just be the Paul Heyman to to him, is what it is. Of course. Paul's a nice Jewish boy from Scarsdale. Exactly. Yeah, so perfect. The <laughs> the fantasy season is about to start, or the MLB season has started. It's really going to kick off Thursday. Everybody plays on Thursday. Are your drafts done? I have one tonight, one tomorrow, one, one Wednesday afternoon. How many are you in this year? I'll, I'll do nine this year. I did ten How last do you year. handle it? See, I'm insane. Uh, my girlfriend's ready to leave me. Sure. And uh, I basically really just sit at home, and I just have all these little pieces of paper everywhere. Going right. to the kitchen, it's an ex-fip woba. <laughs> Going to the bathroom, it's just everywhere. I'm, I'm nuts, but I love it, and I think you have to love it to be successful at it. Mike, how many leagues are you in? On the contrary, I like my girlfriend, and I don't want her to leave <laughs> me, so I'm only in four, but... My four is probably equal to somebody else's twenty with the amount of pay uh, with the, the amount I pay attention to the four. You know what I mean? I want to get in my all. I don't want to just set a lineup, not check or check so, once a week. So I'm more, I'm more like you. I think I'm in four or five, and that's a lot for me because yeah. I can't I, I can't do. It. I've been in leagues with Frank where I have too many leagues, and I yeah. I just lose it, and Frank gets pissed off at me, and it's fine. <laughs> but our partnership's gotten better now. We're fantasy basketball champions today. Oh, yeah. Congratulations! Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's good for us. Night? Oh. So excited! Thanks, man. So, um, the point is, I, I, can't, I can't do what you do, and I can't do what you do in the amount of leagues that you guys are in, and Frank will have his sticky pad on this computer by this time next week. I put the sticky pad up in the house. I, don't wanna re- I just got this computer. <laughs> I'm not ready to put the sticky notes on the computer yet. I, I, like, I couldn't pay attention to all nine of those leagues, knowing who's out there, knowing how much to bid, especially on Sunday nights if, if your fab's running overnight. I, I couldn't do it. It's much more manageable to do the four leagues, in my opinion, so you can really dive in and really know what's going on in every single league and make the trade offers and so on and so forth. In those four leagues, who's been your guy this year? Or guys? I am very happy to say this. My guy has been Chris Paddock. Three out of four leagues, I have Chris Paddock. I- so the follow-up question to that, your first, draft, your first draft was winning, your last draft was winning. Well, that's where it gets interesting. My first draft was... In February, and I got Chris Paddock, or towards the end of February, it was actually the TGFBI. Yep. I got him at 278 in round 19. Then fast forward two weeks later, I did a, a main event qualifier on NFBC. I got him at 219. So that's the difference of whatever it is, 50 picks right there. That was round 15, four rounds. Fast forward again to more recently, I did a Yahoo Pro 1000, and I got him at 203. When I got him at 203. It was funny. I don't know the guys in the draft because it's sure. a, a Yahoo league. The guy went insane when I took him at, in the 17th round. Now, his main event ADP is 170 from all the main event drafts that have been going on. Yep. My deal with Paddock, I don't know if you guys are, are familiar on baseball reference. You could, uh, there's a metric called opponent quality, and you, it really gauge, gouges how um, in spring training, what kind of level of competition you're facing. So, you know, how everyone says spring training, it doesn't matter. Right. You could be rated from a 1 to a 10, 10 being major league level competition, 1 being rookie ball competition. So, Chris Paddock has an 8.2. 
which is sitting there between probably like a low, a lower major league hitter, but it's still a high triple A lower major league hitter. So what he's done in spring is pretty impressive to have a 2.13 year array against that kind of opponent quality. You check some other guys, their opponent quality is like four or five and they're having good springs. That's something to keep an eye on with, with uh, Paddock Spring. If anyone tells you it's just spring training, it's not just spring training. He's facing major league talent, be it lower league major league talent, but it's still major league talent to do what he's doing, the 20 strikeouts and the 12 and two-thirds. Kid's insane. He's got a plus changeup, plus fastball, average curveball, plus command, and he's lined up to start against San Francisco. I don't know if you, <laughs> any Giant fans out there. Be ready for it because Chris Paddock's going to dominate San Francisco that first start of the season. Frank, when we were at NFBC, we consistently saw Chris Paddock go in the 13th to the 15th round, depending on what draft you're watching or what auction you were in. And he went for him and Lazardo before Lazardo got hurt, all in, in, that same, in that same range. And now it's been very consistent. And what I like about it, Frankie, is not that he's going so high, because I don't think it's so high. I still think it's a spot where the return on investment will be good enough. It's not like, we, we talk about this all the time, a guy like Shane Bieber, Shane Bieber and Mike Clevenger, they have to come through for you now, mm. given where they're drafted. Chris Paddock doesn't still. Getting him where you're getting him in the 14th round, it's still a lottery ticket, which I like. I, yeah. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, yeah Chris Paddock, uh, over the weekend, there was a ton more NBC main events in Vegas, in yeah. Vegas and his ADP from this weekend specifically. 166.5, so he's all the way up there. He's being drafted as a top 40 starting pitcher now, but again, he has the upside to be a top 30 guy, top 25 at season's end, and it's very obvious, at least at this point, that the Padres are going to be aggressive with him. So maybe he'll, you know, he'll, he'll miss a few starts throughout the season. They'll try and limit the innings, but I still think you know, he could get 150, 160, and if he gives you 160 of a sub-3 six ERA and a good whip because he doesn't walk anyone and he gets a ton of ground balls and he gives you, you know, let's say eight Ks per nine. Again, that's legitimately like a top 30, top 25 starting pitcher. So I don't have any problems with him. You know, we share a, a league together. We do the, the GST 15 team Roto. We got him last week and I believe like the 15th or 16th round as our SP5 or SP6. Nice. I love it, man. I have no problems with it. And you say that 8K to 9, I'd be disappointed if his K to 9 was an 8. Was an eight. Yeah, I, I'm I would be a little bit more conservative, but no, he has the stuff to get it to a strikeout per inning. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's just me like conservatively projecting, but yeah. he could be even better than that. Does yeah. anyone have a concern, though, that the Padres may shut him down at some point, and then, or you've already gotten your value out of him? That's the thing. I don't think we care. I, I think if we, and seriously. I think he can miss a start, like here or there towards the end of the season. A lot of it comes down to, okay, are the Padres playing for a wild card spot? Yeah. Because I think there at that go. point, like, they have to put out their best product. They got to try and win games. So that will play a lot into it. If they're not, then yeah, I could see them maybe taking it easy on him. But for the most part, I would say maybe he'll skip a start here or there. They'll try and limit some of the innings. But I still think that he can get to that 160 mark by the end of the season. One caveat with all this is we're talking about Roto here, but if you're in a head-to-head -head league, like a Yahoo Pro 1000, don't expect them to be there when you're in the playoffs. Those starts might not be there. Sure, that's, but again, the but it'll help you get there. But again, help you get again, there. where you are, again, where you're drafting, it doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. And, and 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 I don't I don't really care personally. I drafted Paddock in our Yahoo head-to-head -head last night. Does not bother me in the least. Yeah. I'll drop him to figure it out come yeah. August and yeah, September. Exactly. Matt, who's a guy that you do in your nine leagues or so, or seven that you've drafted thus far? I've drafted six so far, have six. three more left, and I was looking at it, and this wasn't by design, but it just happened to be this way. In every league, I own Garrett Hampson, I own VGJ, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and I own Joe Musgrove. And, and I'm fine with all of that, to be honest with you. And uh, that's where I'm at right now, as well as Jack Flaherty is another guy that I've been just all over because I'm a Cardinal fan, and I really like his stuff. I think that's your fandom. Talking your Cardinal fan. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> we all love Jack Flaherty, too. And I want to get into Garrett Hampson. Are you nervous about him not playing every day? 
I mean, Mike and I talked about this on the show. We do think that, that Ryan McMahon could be pushing back against him, but yep. I just think with Hampson's defense and speed is such a commodity in fantasy baseball this year. So I just am hopeful that when he does play and he plays himself into the lineup, that they'll find another place for McMahon. I, you mentioned David Dahl. He's China Dahl. He's, he's going to break at some point. Ian Desmond, you can have him. I don't want him. There, there's going to be somewhere for McMahon and Hampson to both play, so it doesn't concern me that much. We got a lot of questions about these two specifically over the weekend. Everyone wants exposure to Coors Field in Colorado, obviously. I do think that Ryan McMahon is going to be on the, the strong side of the platoon playing at second base most times against right-handed pitching. But I still do think that Hampson could find playing time around because they could give someone a day off here and there. They've been using him in the outfield in spring training. So, uh, I mean, he could play against lefties if they want to sit Ryan McMahon. He could play in the outfield if they want to give Desmond a day off or they want to give Dahl a day off. Or, you know, he's one injury away. Remember, there's Daniel Murphy on this team who is playing with, like, bone on bone on his knee. Uh, you mentioned David Dahl, who's been injury prone. So, we are not rooting for these injuries. But if something were to happen... Garrett Hampson is going to be the primary beneficiary because he's a super utility bat at this point for the Colorado Rockies. Garrett Hampson, Ryan McMahon, really anybody in Colorado are on our radar. Yeah. And I, I was stuck drafting Garrett Hampson as my starting shortstop. Mm. But, you know, if he's, he's in Colorado. Yeah. I mean, of, you, you and I could go to Colorado and probably hit Probably you. I, I, I can't say I can. But <laughs> you, know? you probably can. Dan- Daniel Murphy, bone on bone Daniel Murphy, he can conceivably hit like, way over his head in that ballpark. Yeah, I was afraid to say it, but I'm glad you did, Frankie Montas. Yes, 100%. He could hit 350, and then you're the big winner if you drafted him. Absolutely. Now, Ronald Acuna, Frankie, is a name that we drafted. We we drafted him in our GDD league. He was our first pick, and I know you and I had a debate of Acuna versus Yelich, and we ultimately decided on Yelich. He went for too much. We stuck with Acuna. Acuna's batting cleanup against right-handers. He's probably going to clean up against left-handers. He's going to stay at the cleanup <laughs> clean spot. How much does that hurt his value? Similar to what Matt said about this, I think obviously you lose some stolen bases, and that's I think that's what people were most excited about for Acuna. He could hit thirty-plus home runs with you know maybe potentially thirty steals. Right, he has the upside to be a 30-30 uh, hitter here. Uh, the speed is legit, absolutely, but you know batting cleanup, I think that might slow him down a little bit here. Maybe we're closer to like 15 to 18 stolen bases, but you know, as a result, if he were hitting leadoff, his RBIs might be capped at 75, maybe 80. Now hitting cleanup with Freddie Freeman ahead of you and Josh Donaldson ahead of you and you know Ender Enciarte and uh, and Ozzy Albies splitting leadoff duties here, we're talking he can drive in 110 seriously in this lineup. So you lose some stolen bases, but obviously you gain you gain some more counting stats when it comes to the RBIs. I think the runs are going to be good regardless because I expect a lot from this Braves lineup. So uh, it, it's, it depends what you needed. I think people would have wanted the stolen bases more, but you gain RBIs. You lose something, you gain something else. It's tough to put a, put a specific number on it. Um, he missed a month last year, which a lot of people don't really talk about too much, but 14 of his stolen bases came from leadoff. And then when he hit second in the lineup, which is really the only thing we have to compare it to, he only ran three times. He was one for three. So that's something just to keep an eye on with him. But if you're drafting Ronald Acuna, you're going to get everything no matter where he hits in the lineup. And now what you lack in stolen bases, what's he going to steal? Ten less bases. If that, he's going to make up in RBIs and home runs and runs and everything else. So the opportunities will be there for him in a, in a really good Atlanta lineup. I got to say, I am off Acuna, and I'm also off Yelich, too. I mean, call me crazy. Crazy. But I, I am. I'm, I'm just off of these guys because I just I see a regression coming. I, I, I will be amazed if they can match or surpass what they each did, respectively, the, the season before. 
I'll say one thing. Acuna did have a 350-something BABIP, which, so expect a little bit of regression in his, in his average and his overall average this year. But he's still an absolute stud. I think he's easily no question a first-rounder. I actually disagree with you. Yeah, he, oh my gosh! He could still he could still hit 280 even if the batting average comes down from 293. It was high. He still strikes out around a quarter of the time, 25. percent And what I've said about Yelich, I don't disagree that he's going to regress. But I think even if he regresses, he could still it's be still a top yes. 10 player for fantasy because you know if he hits 310 with 28 home runs instead of 36 and 100 runs and 100 RBIs and still steals 20 bases, I mean that's a top 10 player for fantasy. So I do agree. Like regression is going to come. I still do think that he could pay off value regardless. So just looking at some numbers, and Mike and I are big numbers guys. So uh, Yelich's home run fly ball rate was 35%. That's a full 15 points higher than his career average. So let's just assume a 25% rate this year, and that's being generous. He loses a third of his home runs right away. He had a 373 Babbitt. His career is 359. So let's assume a drop in average as well. If he hits 10 less home runs and loses 20 to 25 points off his average, he, yes, he's still valuable, but he might even be dipping into like a second round kind of guy. The reason I say I'm off him is that in a first round, I want to throw my draft into a frenzy when everyone thinks I'm supposed to take Christian Yelich and I swoop in and take, I don't know, Mike the Rotocop. So who, so who are you taking over Yelich and Acuna? Or who have you been taking? If you have one of these like top six or seven picks. It depends. I'm, I'm a big pitching guy, and a lot of my leagues, guys don't touch pitching until the sixth or seventh round. So I'm jumping in, and I'm grabbing Jacob deGrom before anybody, and I'm grabbing Aaron Nola before anybody. Mike and I love Trevor Bauer, and what it does is it sets everyone off of their game plan, and I love that because I'm just I'm a villain, and I love the to madness. watch people go crazy. <laughs> I'll, take, uh, I'll take Trey Turner over both those guys, over Yellow China Cunha. In the NFC, we saw Trey Turner going almost consistently at three. And because I know there's an overall involved and you need the speed, but Trey Turner, I was surprised, Frank, how, just how high he was going. And, Mike, you're right on it. He played 162 games last year. He does that again. He's going to have another great season. He, he has a better year than last year. It's going to be an unbelievable season. So I expect a lot from Trey Turner this year. Yeah. People, people saw the, the, the report about 75 to 80 stolen base yes. attempts. And, look, if they actually legitimately let him do that, I personally would love him to hit leadoff because if you look at his career, yeah. uh, hitting leadoff versus like hitting second or anywhere else in the lineup, he's much more aggressive stealing bases hitting leadoff. So I know as of now, it's like Adam Eaton supposed to lead off and, and Trey Turner bad second, but they've already come out and said that they want Trey Turner to attempt this many stolen bases. Does it happen? I don't know. I still think that he could hit 20 home runs and steal 50 bases. If that's the case, you know, he'll perform like a top five hitter for fantasy purposes. He still stole 17 bases last year from hitting second, so... I'm not worried about, worried about his stolen bases at all. Mike, a question that I had in my draft last night was my, on my second starting pitcher, and that was between Patrick Corbin and Steven Strasburg. Who would you have taken? You could say neither. Neither. Yeah, neither. Um, give me Patrick Corbin. Give me Patrick Corbin, the new Patrick Corbin, not the old Patrick Corbin, the right. new Patrick Corbin, and sure. I'll take him over Strasburg's injury history. Between the two, like you said, I would go neither. <laughs> so I'm actually working on an article right now for Rasball, and I think that Patrick Corbin is destined for an IL stint because of the increased use of the slider. And if sure. you look at what that slider does to a lot of guys, just look at Michael Pineda. Mm -hmm. right? I mean, he's actually coming back this year, and it's going to be intriguing to see. But if you take Patrick Corbin as your SP2, and in May his arm falls off, he becomes Dave Dravecki, what are you going to do? That's why. So neither for me as well. But if I had to, it would be Corbin. Great. Nice. That's what I did. Thanks for having us. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah. Right, you know how all draft season I've been saying, I'm off Corbin. I don't really have a reason why. I was just waiting until Matt <laughs> You did you you not have any reason. <laughs> I was like, because last year I was all over Corbin, and I loved like, the profit that he returned yeah. uh, at his value. And now 
I don't know if this is fair that we when we do this to players because in years past, like when you get a player and then they severely outperform where they were drafted, then the next year, you know, they're going as like a fourth round pick. And now you're just off that player because I had them last year. Exactly. I don't want to pay that price because I already like got my profit on that player and I can't really see them being much better than they were last year. I don't know. Like, is that fair? That's the Ozzy Albies syndrome, I think, with everybody. <laughs> everybody was so high, on, so high on Ozzy Albies last year. Like, he was the greatest thing in the world. He produced. Now everyone's off him because he's going so high. Uh, that's a similar situation. Greg, was there a third person that you could have picked outside of yeah, Cor- Corbin or, or Strasburg? So it's funny because I'm... Um, I, mean, I would take both pitchers that I ended up with in the fourth and fifth round, Greg, over both of them. So I, did, I took him in the fifth round. So that was that. That was the right. thing. So I I waited and played a little pitcher chicken because there weren't guys that I loved there, and of course they all went in between my two picks. As they always do, of course, in between the fourth and the fifth. Like where um, I wound up taking Tommy Pham when Tyon Clevenger, Paxton, um, Wheeler were all Wheeler, Grinky are all on the board. I was like, all right, I can get any of these guys coming back. I got none of them. So at my spot, it was Corbin or Strasburg, and that was the end of the tier. Mm-hmm. And I, I yeah, in round five, there. though, that's pretty good value. Yeah. So that's where 14 I took team league in round five. Yeah, so I I'm, I don't have a problem with it. at so, that point you're deciding between the end of this year. Correct. Marquez was off the board. Probably not, but I hate you. He's I, probably I, much lower. Um, you did in the eighth round. I'm so awful on Herman Marquez. Yeah, look, it's either you love him or hate him. Yeah, percent. Seems yeah. to be the consensus. Yeah, you love you him love or hate him. him. Uh, yeah, I love him. All right, I love him. I hated him. <laughs> now I love him. Maybe tomorrow I'll hate him again, but we'll see what happens. He's well, got an easy it, schedule the first month, so to me it's just like I don't opening up against Miami, right? I don't need to buy into Colorado. There's plenty of other places to go. I don't need to buy into Colorado for fishing, yeah. even as good as Herman Marquez and Kyle Freeland, both who were last year. All right, we heard who Matt and Mike really liked and drafted on all their teams. I'm excited to find out who they don't, other than Patrick Corbin. We'll just keep that to the side <laughs> and, and shut that up. We'll find out who Matt and Mike did not like and did not draft this year when we come back. Fantasy Best Friends Forever. College basketball has reached the climax of the 2019 season, and the Fantasy Sports Network has you covered for all the news and betting information for the conference tournaments leading up to the big dance. Get the latest wagering and prop bet advice every day from FNTSY's top experts and analysts as they prepare you with the best advice in bracketology. Download the Fantasy Sports Radio app in iTunes and Google Play and watch select programming in the FNTSY YouTube channel. The Fantasy Sports Network, your home for winning big in the month of madness. Rain dance! Make it rain. LSU was lucky to be able to get that last second uh, bucket to be able to advance. But did anybody see LSU being this good without their head coach? And do they have enough athleticism? Do they have enough talent on that team to advance? Whoever's left, I think LSU is probably at the bottom uh, of the teams that remain in the Sweet 16. I think they got the best shot of getting bounced. Weekdays, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. Maurice Allen, 2015-2016 European Long Drive Tour Champion, 2017 World Number One. Me personally, I keep my game face on me all the time. Especially coming out of the bunker, leaving the range, or even leaving the course. What's your story? Go to GameFaceGrooming.com for all your athletic facial wipes and body cleansing needs. 
The morning after. It's not as if though this Duke team like murders people. Their numbers are overinflated. They're not as good overall as a team as they are overall as a team of NBA prospects. Where are the 52 point blowout wins? We're like, oh yeah, they can't be beat. Oh, plus 220. The Duke number is 1 million percent a public number. I think it's a sucker's bet. Duke can get knocked off here along the way, man. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on FNTSY Radio and on your popular podcast providers. I was telling these guys off the air about uh, my buddy, MJF. True story. True story. I'll tell you another story off the air. But true story, when I went back to visit, he just jumped on me, on my back, and gave me what he determined as the Mad Max clutch, and he choked me right out. Did he really? Like, out you went? Out, out. And, you know, next thing you know, you, you wake up, and there's just a thousand people around you. Like, you okay? I'm like... What just happened? Yeah, and Max like, you didn't tap. And I'm like, I was just like, what? You actually choked me out. Now I'll, I'll make sure guy. to get to get now him back for you. Don't you worry. I, pre- I appreciate it. But yeah, uh, so there you go. Uh, MJF, you can check him out a uh, whole bunch of places as well as, as Matt Stryker and Mike the Rotocop on their podcast, which you can listen to where, Mike? At Strike Zone Pod on Twitter. You can listen to it on Spotify, iTunes, Long Island Podcast Network, and a couple other places, right? Absolutely. Great job. Wherever, wherever you listen to podcasts, I'm sure you can listen uh, to their podcasts. It's well worth it. I'm excited. You sent me the first episode, which I have yes, not gotten back to yet. But I don't need, I don't <laughs> need to do that. I don't need enough. to do that because you guys are here. here. And I'm doing it live in person, and it's awesome. I, I think what's cool about this is like there's a clear chemistry, and it makes it really easy to listen to and really fun. And the numbers, like the baseball reference, spring training thing that you referenced, no idea. Uh-huh. And I am very ex- I wish I told that, knew that two weeks ago <laughs> before I, I drafts. Like, that's awesome. It's just an interesting way to see who players are competing against, what their competition level is like, because some of these guys put up these insane spring training stats, and they're really not facing major league level talent. So it's definitely an interesting, interesting metric that baseball reference has. So have you used that to not draft certain players? I want to know, you're in about four leagues. Who have you actively stayed away from? Obviously, there are certain guys that just don't fall into your range, and that's okay. But who have you actively stayed away from? I feel a little bad discussing this guy. Um, everyone's, Is it a everyone's staying away from that. No, it's not a Cardinal. Everybody's staying away from him. But Clayton Kershaw, first the back, now the shoulder. So when, this, when the draft season started, he was a first-round pick. He was one of the first pitchers going off the board. Now he's kind of fell down to like a fifth-round pick or whatever it is. Last year, his case per nine were the worst it's ever been at 8.65. His swing and strike rate was the worst it's ever been at an 11. So there were signs before the shoulder injury. His, his fastball velo dropped from 93 to 91, 93.1 to 91.4. His pitch value on his fastball in 2016 was 22. Now we're approaching negative. I think it was a 0.2. It's almost a negative pitch. One of the, his best pitches his whole career is almost a negative pitch now. So I think the narrative would be different if his name wasn't Clayton Kershaw. I think that's what's keeping him at that fifth round, or like you said, the eighth round you brought up before that uh, Florio wanted to draft him. Yep. I think that's what's keeping him in that range. And honestly, I'm staying as far away from Clayton Kershaw as I can. First the back, now the shoulder. Who knows when the back's going to flare up again? Who knows what's going to go on with the shoulder? I just really don't, don't trust him at all. Frank, so I think that's the important thing that too many people are forgetting. And you're totally right, Mike. Clayton Kershaw's injured. He's got this back injury that's kept him out year after year after year. Yeah. Now it's a shoulder. And it's probably all related in some way because you're overcompensating. And we talked to a guy that has a herniated disc. He's like, hey, some days I feel great. Which Kershaw feels great. But other times I can't feel my fingers. I can't, I can't feel my arm. I can't feel my shoulder. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of all related there. So you have that. And you can take that and put that on one side. But as you just pointed out, Kershaw's been declining for a couple of years now. And his best pitch is no longer his best pitch. It's not even an above average pitch. Mm-hmm. And I think, Frank, we've forgotten that to an extent that it's not just... Clayton Kershaw's hurt, because he's declining in other ways, which is a little scary. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, this has been someone that I've been avoiding as well. It's like strip the name off the back of the jersey here. If this is another player whose skills declined this far from 2017 to 2018, I mean, he he would be going... 50, 100 picks even later than Clayton Kershaw is. So I think the fact that his name is Clayton Kershaw kind of keeps him in this fifth, sixth round relevant range. Uh, but I can't disagree with anything that you mentioned about Kershaw. Look, the velocity on his fastball was the lowest of his career, not just dating back to rookie year. Yeah. It was the lowest of his career. The skills are declining. He's not getting as many swinging strikes. He's walking more guys. He's not getting as many strikeouts. So there's just there's too much in play here. And the fact that now he's dealing with a shoulder and he has the back injury, it's like... What more do you need to see from some from a situation to tell you do not draft me? <laughs> I mean, everything is there when it comes to Clayton Kershaw. But would you rather have Clayton Kershaw? This is a question we ask everybody: Clayton Kershaw or Luis Severino? I'll take Severino at this point all day. Even even though one is seemingly healthier than the other, I wouldn't say he's 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 seemingly healthier. Seemingly healthier, not literally healthier. Yeah, not literally healthier. I'll go Severino, his upside, and where you could get him now. Because you could still get him a couple rounds after you could, you would have to pay for Kershaw. So, I think Severino would be uh, would be the more value play out of the two. In our draft last night, Frank, I was surprised he went in the sixth rounds. So not all that much value. We've Kershaw seen the, or yeah, Severino. Severino, Kershaw. I actually considered taking Kershaw last night. Kershaw went in the eighth. Also, Severino actually goes a lot higher than Kershaw. Yeah, I have these guys ranked back to back, twenty eighth and 29th in my starting pitcher rank. So, I mean, I'm still pretty low on all of them. I have guys like Tanaka, Archer, Mikolas. Estio, Granke, all ranked ahead of, of these players. And you know, I should probably drop them even lower because realistically, when I'm in drafts, I just skip over their names. And it's, <laughs> it's just, I, I can find someone later on who I'd rather have at, at a, more of a value. Eduardo Rodriguez goes later, I'll grab him. Joe Musgrove, you mentioned, I, I grab him, you know, three, four rounds later. Uh, Nick Pavetta takes someone like that. Paddock goes, you know, five, six rounds later. So it, to me, I just skip over these guys and I'll wait, you know, a couple of rounds and find a pitcher I like. Even more. Matt, who's a guy that you've actively avoided during draft season? So, staying with the pitching, I have avoided John Lester. And uh, so, Mike is a big numbers guy, Mm -hmm. as am I. I like to back it up, not just because I don't like him or whatever. So, I'm going to back it up. So, Lester had a 19.6% K rate last year, and that was 43rd out of 57 qualifying pitchers. Just to put it in perspective, that's worse than guys like Matthew Boyd or Jake Odorizzi. Also, his swinging strike rate was 8.5%. That was 49th behind guys like Jose Urena and Mike Fires. Now, this is great if you have great control. Lester does not. He has a walk rate of 8.5%. That's the 16th highest in the league. These are all the reasons why you can keep you some John Lester. John Lester, I somehow drafted him. So I drafted him. Jeez, I'm just talking <laughs> myself out of, out of the studio, no, aren't I? No, so here's the thing. So I, dra- I drafted him. And I literally, as I drafted him, I whispered, I was like, I'll, I'll take John Lester. And I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> I tried to trade him, like, before my next pick was up. I was oh, like, no. I'll just give you John Lester for anybody. And then I came in the next day. I was, like, oh, embarrassed to face Frank. I'm oh, like, I don't, yes. I, I can't. I, yeah. I laughed at you. You did. Rightfully so. <laughs> Should we all just point and laugh at you on you three? Can, one, can. two, three. I would laugh at myself. Like, I don't get it. Like, I don't even know why I did it. And it was one of those things, time's running down. I was like, I don't know, John Lester. Uh, here's um, the name I know. Right. <laughs> Pretty much. I, have no, I, have, I can't defend myself. I, I can defend myself with Corbin because the, the round right. was right. He's the last guy in the tier. Like, I get it. And the numbers were good. The, you're absolutely right. That slider's going to cause him to get injured at some point again. I can't do it with Lester. And I don't know why. I <laughs> just can't deal Lester. with you, John Lester. I, I tried to trade him for anybody. I, like, 
Ask the guy three times this week if I can train him for Paul DeYoung. He said no every. He said no every time. Of course he did. He's hoping for a different answer. <laughs> but I'm going. To, I'm going to keep asking. Maybe he'll change his mind at some point. Actually, Paul, Paul DeYoung is a guy like uh, that. I, I will throw out my buddies, the Young Bucks and Cody Rhodes. Paul DeYoung yep. is a guy that I'm all in on. By uh-huh. the way, so I would not nice. trade Paul DeYoung. We put double or nothing on him as, as well. Hey, look at us, an American nightmare. Are, we, are we done? I I mean, what do you guys want to do? <laughs> hey, Cody. It's hey, Matt, a, Nick. Hey, guys. I'll play you in Hangman before we're done. There okay. Oh, nice. Wow. Good for you. I appreciate. It. Back to uh, back to Lester. Real quick. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Here's a question: Would you rather take Frank, Matt, Greg? Would you rather take Corbin Burns, Domingo Herman, or would you rather take John Lester? So I think it's no question you'd rather Burns and Herman because the upside is just upside higher, is, uh, and, and, that, and that's where it is. And that's with all that's with all the guys that Frank was just mentioning, when Severino and, and Kershaw, especially, go for the upside because the worst that the literal worst that can happen with a guy like Corbin Burns is that he sucks. And if he sucks, you drop him. And it didn't cost you anything. Yeah. And the same really goes for Lester. If that first week when Lester makes his opening day start and he allows six earned runs, or a week later the same thing happens, I'm not going to play by the name of the, the guy on the back of the jersey. Yeah. I'm going to drop him. And I'm going to treat him like Corbin Burns. And if that's the case. It's fine. It's a lottery ticket, and that's the thing. See, that's a great thing that you say, and I tell it to anyone that will listen. You have to approach this type of fantasy like that. You can't get hung up on the name on the back of the jersey. You have to close your eyes and look, which you can't do. Just look at the numbers and be okay to drop a guy. And it's really hard to do that. As as easy as it is for us to say this on March 25th, it's really hard to pull that trigger. And, And Frank knows that I have a very itchy trigger finger when it comes to Fantasy sports, baseball, basketball, football, it doesn't matter. Who was it last year that had a, a bad first day? And I'm like, a bad first day? Oh, I'm done. <laughs> I was right for the record. I was right. The I think it was Yasmani Tomas. It was. It was Yasmani okay, Tomas. Okay, fine. You and I was that. right. Yes, you were. I was right. Yes, you were. But it was Yasmani Tomas. Yeah, it's Yasmani Tomas. But I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. And I'm like, guys, come on, you drafted him for a reason. And I go, you're right, but. He went over four or four Ks. What are we doing here? Yeah, it's much easier to do with players you get late. I'm assuming you got John Lester super late in your draft. So if he doesn't perform early on, you could just cut bait. I will say I agree with what you said uh, to a certain extent, right? Like if if a player I drafted early on, like a foundation on my team, isn't performing, obviously you have to have more patience. So I, I think it's worth reiterating that. But, you know, some of these guys that you get later on in your drafts, if, if they're not performing two, three weeks in and – there's obviously someone who has upside on the waiver wire. Domingo Herman probably wasn't drafted in a lot of leagues. Uh, you know, oh, he was the, the, the Brewers guy, <laughs> Brandon drafted. Woodruff. If I was in the league, yeah, well, he was yeah, drafted. Deeper leagues, uh, but, <laughs> the the know, entire Brandon Brewers Woodruff, staff. All, all, all these Brewers guys have a ton of upside. Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, uh, Freddie Peralta. We spoke mm-hmm. about the Marlins in the first hour. Pablo Lopez getting mm-hmm. a lot of hype. Trevor Richards getting. So, look, if John Lester's performing, some of those guys are playing well early on. You know, don't, don't, exactly. don't worry about the name John Lester. It's, I think we're. I think we're past that point when it comes yeah. to Lester. <laughs> I, I completely agree with you. It, it ultimately doesn't matter. Another guy I, I, I did wind up dropping was Gregory Polanco, who you actually did. It was a, a weird role reversal there. Oh, Gregory Polanco last year, right? Yeah. Yeah. I dropped him too early, man, and then he, and then he turned it around in the second Yeah, half. he did have a good second half last year. What do, you, last ex- month. what do you expect for Polanco this year? So let's say, I think that's a really fair question. And for me, I guess that's why you asked it. But um, <laughs> So... I'm staying away from Polanco. The shoulder injuries scare me. Shoulders and wrists injuries from hitters really, really scare me. And as Frank knows, I'd rather take a shot on a guy like Lonnie Chisenhall who's going to start for Polanco. Chisenhall, whenever he... We're both laughing at that name. I'm not laughing at it. Good for you. Whenever Chisenhall has an opportunity, had an opportunity in Cleveland, he flourished. And he can't hit a lefty, but that's fine. You mainly face righties. And whenever he had an opportunity, like I said, he did really, really well. And I think in that small chance he has without Gregory Polanco in there, I think he's going to do fine. And when Polanco comes back, 
it's not going to be, and I think we all forget this, not all, but a lot of people forget, when you start, it's not like you're just, you're back and you're the Gregory Polanco of old. You, you need time to get back, to feel healthy, to feel what it is to play every day, to get hit with a baseball again, to run into a wall again, and especially in the National League where there is no DH. It's not like he's already taking batting practice. There's a lot mentally as well that has to come back in order for him to be good again. So for me, I'm not drafting Gregory Polanco. I'm not drafting UNS Cespedes. The one guy that I am drafting at the end of drafts is Didi Gregorius because I think um, the middle infield, it makes sense. And I also think that we've seen Glaber Torres, for instance, on the Yankees come back and be totally fine coming back from Tommy John's surgery. Where are you, Mike, on, on the injured guys like Cespedes, Polanco, and Didi? Uh, I have a confession. I did drop Didi Gregorius in my uh, TGFBI league yesterday for okay. purposes. I got um, Dakota Hudson for $11. Sure, which I like is, it. There's I, no DL in, in the TGFBI either. Yeah, yep. so I drafted him thinking maybe I could get something out of this eventually, but I decided to go the other way with it. Uh, you mentioned Polanco. He did show better plate discipline in the second half of last year. He was good. He had, the mo- I think, the highest uh, walk percentage of his career last year, which is like an 11, which isn't – is in, uh, which is actually far off from his usual 6% or whatever it is. So I do like Polanco a little bit just because steals will always play. If he comes back and, and runs, that's always going to play. Chisholm, I don't think is a bad hitter, though. I don't think that's a bad, uh, bad suggestion if you're looking somewhere else besides Polanco. Certainly NL only leagues as well. But if we're talking Pittsburgh and we're talking besides Polanco, the one name we have to bring up is Adam Frazier. And Adam mm-hmm. Frazier is somebody that he's gone a bit overlooked. We've all fallen in love with Ramon Luriano. And we've fallen in love with Cedric Mullins. Adam Frazier is a guy that is like these players that potentially could give you 15 and 15, but nobody's talking about. Matt, how come? Well, so I love that. It's because, it's, so it's what I say, he's not sexy. Right. He didn't put on his lipstick and do his hair, and I don't notice him walking in the bar. If my girlfriend's listening, I don't notice any girls that walk in the bar. I only have eyes for you. But the point is that he's, he's not sexy. Ramon Laureano, I'm all over him. I love him. His name is fun to say, Laureano. Yep. So I think it's one of those things, and, and if you're, you're level-headed, and wise, like you obviously are, then you're going to be able to see... Don't tell your girlfriend you're talking to me like this. <laughs> ...beyond the name. And you're just going to be able to look at the numbers. And to me, that's what this is all about, looking at numbers. So that's why guys like that go, go overlooked, in my opinion. It's sexy. Yeah, and I, I think for Frazier, and specifically players like him and Cedric Mullins are... All right, it's not a great lineup. It's Pittsburgh. It's Baltimore. But they're projected to lead off. Yeah. Projected. We'll see what happens. But... There's not, like, where else are the Pittsburgh Pirates going to go in terms of leadoff better? So, I think there's value to be had there. They're going to score runs. I don't, not going to light the world on fire in terms of stealing bases, but can he give me 10 to 15, 10 to 15 home runs as well? He's going to score runs because he's going to get on base in Pittsburgh, and same thing goes for a player like Cedric Mullins. The Orioles lineup is not good. We all understand that. But he's still going to lead off. <laughs> he still might steal 15 to 20 bases, and because of that, you know, maybe he'll score 75 runs. I mean, there's value to be had with that. Uh, I agree 100%. You know, we got Adam Frazier as our middle infielder in, in one league. I think I ended up with him in the main event or something else, too. So I'm not opposed to, you know, late in your drafts, get him as your middle infielder. And, and he has dual eligibility, too. Yeah. Adam Frazier, second base and outfield. Yeah, uh, there, there's, there's a lot of value there. My only thing with Frazier is... He didn't run last year. He only attempted four stolen bases. The year before that, he attempted 14. So I don't know what the, what the reason was for the difference. So that's the only thing to keep an eye on if, you, uh, if you're expecting 10 stolen bases out of him. Speaking of stolen bases, a guy that we liked early on in draft season was Gene Segura in Philadelphia. New lineup like he's going to run. But Gabe Kapler, I was concerned, new age, new analytics. He wouldn't really run. We looked this up. He ran league average last year. It wasn't, it wasn't anything that scare us away. Mm-hmm. So Philly uh, playing Tampa Bay, and Jim Salisbury, who was one of their beat reporters, said here's their starting lineup a.k.a. their opening day lineup. And I wanted to read it to you guys because Philly is a place that we were looking at, right? McCutcheon's leading off, then Gene Segura, 
Harper, Hoskins back in the lineup. There was an injury concern there. Reese Hoskins back in the lineup. Batting cleanup. Real Muto, five. And then that was where the question was, right? Who would be right. next? It's Oduval at six, Cesar Hernandez at seven, and Mikel Franco at eight, oh, which is a bit of a disaster for us, Frank. That's bad. Yeah, I mean, uh, look, I worried about where Franco was going to hit. I knew it was going to be in the lower third. Uh, I could see Oduble being six, just so you break up some of the righties there, uh, because they have Hoskins and Real Muto, obviously four and five. So I could I could have uh, seen Oduble being seven, uh, six, and then we get Franco at seven. But man, I mean eighth, that's <laughs> not great for Franco. He's not going to get a lot of pitches uh, to hit there, obviously with the with the pitcher coming up next too. So uh, it's not great. Uh, he was a corner infielder that I like just because uh, it's a great lineup, and you know he can hit twenty five home runs. It's sneaky, yeah. but man. That low in the lineup, the counting stats are not going to be good. Are either of you guys in on a sneaky Mikel Franco play? Uh, I actually have him in one league. And All I'm, right! I'm not so sure that he's going to be hitting eighth for too long. I think the way Kapler runs that show, it's going to be a, a different lineup out there until he gets the right one. And I think that's, like you said, with Franco. I'd I, I like to see him seven and hit Cesar Hernandez eight. I think that's more, uh, more realistic. Yeah, and I agree, too. And there was some talk early in the spring about maybe Cesar Hernandez leading off, and then That's I right. wondered where would Kutch go. But to me, I'd rather see Cesar Hernandez at the bottom of that order because then the lineup turns back over, and that gives Hernandez some opportunity for counting stats. So I wouldn't be that concerned with Franco. If that lineup turns over and does what it's supposed to do, he, he may get some numbers. Guys, one last time, where can everyone find your podcast and listen to you guys? I'm Mike the Rotocop on Twitter. You can find me at PitcherList.com, FriendsOfFantasyBenefits.com, and MetsmerizedOnline.com. Friends of Fantasy Benefits, BFFs, all kind of sounds the same. We're all together. Matt, where can everybody Look find me? Look at me. I'm the odd man out with no friends. What else is new? <laughs> at Matt underscore Striker underscore. You can also read me on Razball.com, and you can listen to Mike and I on at StrikeZonePod. And guys, I got to tell you, man, I'm a big fan, and it's I'm kind of marking out being here. Thank you so yeah, much for having great. us. Really oh, this is, it. it's, been a, it's been a blast for us. Always good to talk baseball with people that kind of know what they're talking about, and it makes our lives a lot easier. <laughs> so uh, we appreciate it. Tomorrow's podcast. I don't know which camera to look at. Ryan Spielborgs on tomorrow's podcast. There you go. Ryan, Ryan Spielborgs, Spielborgs for Major play League. Play for the Rockies, yes. I want to thank Matt and Mike. I want to thank, of course, Frankie, everybody downstairs, Matt Modica from Hour One. Tomorrow Venture will be back, and we'll do it all again. Thank you so much for watching and listening to Fantasy BFFs. We'll see you tomorrow. We hope.